Going Linux, episode 325, Getting Rid of Cruft After an Upgrade. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. And I'm your co-host, Bill. Whether you are new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice that will help you in going Linux. We hope that you find this and all our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get things done. In today's episode, getting rid of leftover cruft after you upgrade Linux. Hi, Bill. Good morning, Larry. How are you? Good. It's hot. It's hot here, too. So, uh, so much for the weather forecast. <laughs> yep, pretty much. It's hot. Okay, that's, that's all the freeform better we got for today. Let's see. Yeah, we're going to jump right in, I guess, to, uh, to our episode. Um, and in fact, this episode was inspired by an exchange between our community members in our Going Linux podcast, Google Plus community. If you aren't reading our Google Plus community posts, you're really missing out on great conversations like this one. We'll have a link in the show notes. Okay, so it all started innocently, as most Google Plus <laughs> posts do, with a post from George from Tulsa. And he entitled it, Rolling Release versus Nuke and Pave. And I thought, hmm, this could be interesting. So George wrote, Cubicle Nate and I have been discussing, in quotes, rolling versus static releases that can upgrade in place. For example, Mint 17 to 18 versus Nuke and Pave, which for those of <laughs> listeners that are new to the show, Nuke and Pave is when you completely wipe the hard drive and start over with a new installation rather than upgrade your installation to the latest release of whatever operating system you're using. Continuing with the Google Plus post. It's been many happy years since I did a Windows upgrade. So long, in fact, that I really don't remember the details of moving from Windows 98 to XP to 7. Like probably most Windows users, I stuck with a version as long as the machine it was on met my needs. Then upgraded the hardware, which usually brought along a new version of Windows. But over in the Macaverse where Apple has that frenetic annual update. Notice I do not write upgrade cycle. I have done nuke and pave and upgrades. The upgrade path leaves behind a lot of cruft. Using Apple's migration assistant that sucks most everything off of an old Mac to a new one, I found stumps of old uninstalled software remained and the stumps were zombies phoning home over the internet. Apple does not segregate applications that aren't compatible with the newest annual version, so users can delete them. That doesn't mean the segregation is 100% effective, because there are related files scattered around that may or may not be identified. So Linux, I'm the user who just wants to use software, but try to stay tuned in to what's happening behind the scenes. I note that removing software through the terminal will apparently remove files, are those dependencies, that only the software being removed needs. If, for example, LibreOffice updates through a distro's software manager, does cruft the old version needed but the new one doesn't get removed? 
does a rolling release. The one I've looked into the most is PC Linux OS. Eliminate Cruft as releases roll on. What about a distro like Mint that I've updated in place? Hmm. I've used Windows, Mac, and Linux for years. And here is what I've experienced with leftover Cruft. I'm also going to throw in uh, a little a quick story. Tom, the co-host before us, Larry remembers this story well. Yep. He started having problems with his Ubuntu um, uh, upgrade. And we couldn't figure out why because we had both upgraded two or three versions and never had a problem. Well, come to find out, he had been upgrading for like, what, 10 or 12 versions? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Until it just wouldn't upgrade anymore. It went from GNOME to uh, the newer GNOME. I mean, it just kept on. It just kept working and working. So he just kept upgrading and upgrading through, I think, what was what was it, like three years worth of upgrades? Yeah, and, I think something like that. Yeah, I think it started in the, like the seven something. Yeah. And we're going, and we were both scratching our heads saying, well, we haven't had any issues until he just said hey by the way i uh i think it was you said what what did you upgrade from and we tracked it back to like one or two versions after the original one he had been upgrading and upgrading so apparently linux handles the cruft pretty well yeah <laughs> but it just finally got to the point it just couldn't do it anymore because there was just so many uh architecture uh changes in the system so um I would say, as a general rule, I've experienced. I'm more of a nuke and paver, but I have, as of late, been upgrading just from one long LTS, which LTS stands for long-term support of Ubuntu, to another one. Um, I've run uh, PC uh, Linux OS uh, for a couple of years um, and never had uh, things that didn't work because of leftover stuff. It just seemed to work. Now, Windows, when they first had it, um, and you probably remember this, I remember it was Windows 3.11 was the first Windows I actually used. Yeah, me too. And then it was Windows 95, then I went to Windows 98, and then I actually upgraded to Windows Me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I remember it gave XP, yep. and then the 7, right, and then... Um, for a while, I was using NT4 Workstation, oh, and that okay. was a complete nuke and pave. Yeah. Uh, but then from 7 to 8 to 8.1 to 10, <laughs> good gracious, how many words did I use? Um, I didn't really have an issue. The only time I really had an issue was going from, believe it or not, 8 to 8.1. It seemed like there was a lot of leftover garbage left Hmm. on it and i don't know if it was because they had changed the uh the interface you remember because that's when they got rid of the start button it was such a great idea oh, right right <laughs> yeah you see it's back yeah anyway uh windows when it first started out wasn't very good at handling the cruft now i know people that view that have upgraded from xp to 10 and they said they haven't had a problem and then I had one guy say he couldn't upgrade from XP. He had to, he had to go from 7 to 10. So just I guess it's kind of what hardware you have and what, how many, what kind of programs you have. But I'd say Windows does now does an okay job of handling Cruft. But they have a little sneaky way. They if When you upgrade, a lot of times they'll rename 
like Windows dot old or something. So it's still there. Yeah. So the cruft is all there. It's just hidden. Right, right. And I guess that's because if the upgrade goes badly, they can set it back yeah. to whatever, in theory, set it back to whatever Yeah, because I remember one time looking at it, I said, why don't I have a lot of space? I've upgraded and it's just, I've lost a lot of space. And it was because it was Windows dot old or whatever it was called was still hanging on the system. Right, right. <laughs> sticking around there, taking up space. Yeah. And now, I never had any issues... Uh, with the Mac upgrade path, I know it did leave a lot of stuff on the system, but um, I, it never, it never to me seemed to impact the uh, performance. So I would say if I had to rate the, the the ones that do the best in handling, you know, getting rid of old cruft or hiding the cruft, I would say probably Linux works really well as number one. A close second would be. Uh, OS X and maybe uh, as Windows would be third, but I mean they all do such a good job these days. So I, I really, I don't know. I, I would say they do a decent job, but we, we both know, Larry, that a lot of times I don't keep a system long enough, or I didn't <laughs> used to keep it long enough to get any cruft. Right. Yeah, and it's been a while since I did have done an upgrade uh, of Linux or any other operating system for that matter, other than. Uh, OS 10 upgrades on a couple of laptops. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, the, the Mac upgrades haven't really been all that challenging, mainly because they've been, you know, the, the Apple store upgrades from one version to the next, and they've gone pretty smoothly, uh, both on my work laptop and, uh, one other laptop. And the, uh, Windows, I started with Windows back in the 3.11 days and of course when you first installed Windows 95 you had to have DOS installed on there in order to install uh, Windows 95 in the first place and then I did upgrades from Windows 95 through to the version of Windows 98 that was the first version and then there was another version of Windows 98 that I actually did an upgrade to 98 SE if you remember that one I do remember SE SE for second edition, right? Uh, And that added the ability to compress your hard drive to, (laughs) you know, to use a double space type application to get twice as much space from your hard drive through software compression. That that was the one where you would uh, you could go click on a file and say compress. Uh, No, this was uh, taking your entire hard drive. So let's say you had a ten megabyte hard drive, which was you know. 10 megabytes. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Typical of the time, I'm sure. Uh, and you could get almost 20 uh, by running it through this compression thing. And it was basically just packing the information on the hard drive more efficiently. And it actually gave you some uh, additional space, usable space. Um, and that seemed to work okay. When it first came out, it was a little wonky. That, But anyway, that that upgrade went okay. And then from there, I think in order to install Windows XP, you had to upgrade from Windows 98. So they were essentially forcing you to have the previous version in order to install the new version, unless you wanted to go out and pay full price for the new version, which, of course, I never wanted to do. So anyway, uh, (laughs) and then let's see, I think... I think I skipped a Vista, and you didn't mention Vista. Um, oh, I did use Vista. Yeah. 
Oh, you did. How okay. many versions have too many? Too know, many. <laughs> if you really think about it, there's been a lot of versions, and I did use Vista, but I didn't stay with Vista very long because I didn't like it or something. Couldn't quite remember it. Right. I I uninstalled Vista as soon as I installed it, and then went to seven when that came out, and that seemed to work okay. Did you? Yeah. But since then, uh, since I guess uh, XP, I did a lot of Nuke and Pave on XP. Uh, old machines and installing XP at work. Uh, and then installing 7 was a uh, Nuke and Pave, and that's the last version of Windows I used. Um, yeah. And then Linux, uh, I've tried the upgrades from Ubuntu originally and then with mm. Linux Mint, and I never felt comfortable with them because I know that there was some stuff left behind and... Uh, quite frankly, I was trying out so many different applications. I didn't want the old applications that I had uninstalled left behind or the ones that mm-hmm. I had installed and forgot I installed and wasn't using. Uh, those I didn't want left behind. So I got into this pattern of nuke and pave. So basically reinstall uh, the new version, completely wiping out the old version and found that you know it was pretty easy to do given that you are able quite frankly to make a backup of your home directory and and put that back on so i i'll get into that in a minute as we move forward well you remember um windows xp i always like to uh use this acronym btbh burnt to the bowels of hell because sometimes it just <laughs> not work anymore yeah. and the only way to fix it was because it just it seemed to collect a lot of cruft just running it yeah and it, you know people say it's not running worth it it's got errors i said it's time to format it uh nuke and pave it yeah um but it doesn't seem i haven't had to do a one of those in a long time but sometimes even just running it it just gets stuff built up in it, you know, programs you've installed, you've uninstalled, the fragments uh, all over the place. And I and I, I would have to say that's probably how the different operating systems uh, uh, have their file system set up. It seems like Windows just keeps everything and hidden files or whatever. Um, and, uh, but Linux, it doesn't seem to collect as much cruft as quickly so and osx seems to run pretty well too so i would say it's if you're going to run it even if just if you never upgrade you never do anything you're you're still going to have junk on your system yeah i think so and you know in my experience it's so quick and easy to nuke and pave uh that that's just um just what i do with with linux uh what i find is within a half an hour of completing a backup and I do a complete backup before I reinstall the operating system, I can have the, the operating system installed and then it takes me two hours to configure <laughs> you know, the way I want, you know, cause I'm a bit, a little bit of a perfectionist. You know, yeah. Perfectionist I prefer, but anyway. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. So, but it's, but it's Different really words, easy. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really easy to install Linux on a machine these days. And, uh, yeah, so it's just it it takes me less time to uh, reinstall than it does to 
do an upgrade and then try to figure out what's changed and what hasn't changed and what do I need to reconfigure. And instead of spending three hours on the upgrade configuration, I can spend two hours on the new Compave configuration. It saves me an hour. So there you go. Woohoo! <laughs> Anyhow, generally speaking, um, what I found with the leftover crust uh, is that both Linux Mint approach uh, to upgrading and the rolling release approach to upgrading. And in my experience, I've been using LMDE or was using LMDE with the rolling release kind of updates. Both of those have, have limitations. In both cases, they attempt not to break anything that the users installed, configured or otherwise done intentionally on their machine. Uh, for example, when Linux Mint changed some of the applications and installed by default a few years ago, the upgrade path left in place an old version of the applications, as well as installing the new one on top. So in my response to George on the forum, I said, is that cruft, I wonder? Uh, a new compave would not have installed the old application. Of course, the whole purpose of these upgrades and rolling release updates is to ensure that you can continue to run as you were before without having to reset configurations, etc. When using the rolling release or the mint type upgrade, changes to the version of, of a package are not treated the same as a whole replacement of one application with another. So let's consider the case of LibreOffice. When Mint Release X installs LibreOffice version 4 and then you upgrade to Mint Release X plus 1, which installs version 5 of LibreOffice, the OS upgrade replaces the old version of LibreOffice with the new version and retains all of your configuration settings from before. That way you get the upgraded application along with the upgraded OS, but you get to keep all your preferences. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. What I found is that Linux typically handles the update of applications during an upgrade of the operating system quite nicely. In my response to George, I wrote this. In my experience, uninstalling an application via the command line removes dependencies as long as there are no other applications also dependent on those dependencies. However, you have to issue the right command to get rid of everything. For example, with a Debian-based distribution, typing sudo apt-get remove and then the package name, that will remove the application and its dependencies, but not the configuration files. Typing sudo apt-get purge, the package name, will remove the configuration files as well. I think the configuration files, in George's case, might be included in his definition of cruft in this case. Then the small box admin jumped into conversation. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think remove or purge removes dependencies or libraries. App get alter remove removes orphaned packages and or dependencies. I believe alter remove also removes libraries that are not linked to any other packages. Yeah, and those comments got me to thinking that I had apt get remove wrong. So I checked the manual for apt-get by typing in a terminal man space apt-get. And you know what I found, Bill? Uh, so let me see. You found the description for apt-get install includes this. 
All packages required by the packages specified for installation will also be retrieved and installed. All right. Okay, so the description of app get remove is remove is identical to install except the packages are removed instead of installed. Note that removing a package leaves its configuration files on the system. The description for app get purge is purge is identical to remove except the packages are removed and purge any configura configuration files are deleted too. Right. Huh. Yeah. Okay. So if I've read this correctly, since install, per the definition, installs packages and dependencies, and since remove is, per the definition, identical to install except in reverse, then the description of remove could translate to all packages required by the package or packages specified for removal will also be removed. Hmm. Um, am I reading that wrong? I know in Synaptic, the package manager, if I choose mark for removal, which is, in my estimation, the equivalent of remove, dependencies for a package are removed along with that dependency. And if I choose mark for complete removal, and I'm thinking that's the equivalent of purge, it works like purge, or at least the way I'm reading purge, and removes dependencies and configuration files along with the package you've asked to be removed. But then the small bucks admin provided some links and some additional insight. He suggested that the man pages for AppGet may not be telling you the whole story. He provided a link to an article on help.ubuntu.com. AppGet how-to, and we'll include the links in the show notes. He also discussed the utility uh, Deb Orphan, a program that can find unused packages, libraries, etc., um, he provided a link that describes how to use Deb Orphan or GTK Orphan and RPM Orphan, and he also includes another show note, uh, another link, and we'll put in our show notes. I ran the command Deb Orphan, then Deb Orphan vertical bar WC L, because I'm too lazy to count and found 15 unused packages, some were libraries. Then for grins, I ran app.get alter remove and I didn't find anything. Now, that doesn't mean using the alter remove option didn't work, that that may have been left over from previous package upgrades, I'm guessing. When doing upgrades or updates, app-get is usually pretty good about notifying you to run with alter remove. However, the deb orphan package also includes a utility orphaner to remove those orphan packages or you can manually remove them so it probably all means that in order to completely remove a package and its cruft you need a combination of apt-get with purge and auto remove and maybe a dose of the command orphaner or you could just leave the stuff on the computer. It's not <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, there's like, well, how many man pages? No, that's okay. You know, just let it stay there. Or just do what I do, just nuke and pave it and keep on going. You could do uh, that. Wow. You could do either of those. But, you know, after all that reading, I think, uh, you know, the small box admin has a point. After your upgrade, you could run auto remove and maybe use that deb orphan package and that should remove everything i would think but in the final response george says 
Thanks for the illuminating discussion. I think he was being polite. In terms of cruft, I guess, that uh, <laughs> configuration files are probably small text equivalents that tell an application, for example, LibreOffice, things like the default font, paper size, etc. Those probably wouldn't do anything equivalent to the zombie corpse of Mac Intego security suite I'd removed several Macs before and then used migration assistance to move my, quote, system setup forward, only to eventually discover the zombie corpse of Indigo was phoning home every few minutes, slowing down my machine's internet connection, and since I'd uninstalled the underlying programs and hadn't paid Indigo in years, being a very frustrated zombie. Yes, configuration files are typically text files that Linux applications usually place in your home folder, sometimes in hidden files. They contain your preference settings just as you described them. Because Linux handles preferences like this, application upgrades, rolling release upgrades, or Linux Mint style upgrades can upgrade your entire operating system and or upgrade your existing applications to the latest release but maintain your settings without you having to do a thing. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. And that also makes it easy to do a nuke and pave, yet still maintain all of your settings. All you have to do is this, four easy steps. First, I bet you can guess this one, make a backup of your home folder. And make sure you include the, the hidden folders and hidden files before you do anything. Make sure it's on an external disk or device, not on the one you're going to nuke and pave. Step two, install your desired version of Linux, replacing the old one. And then step three, install any applications you use that aren't installed by default. And then four, copy the entire contents of your backed up home folder to the home folder of your new installation. And because of that last step, all of your application settings are there. If you forgot to install a particular application, that's okay. Just install it, and because your home folder already contains the configuration files, your preferences will all be there when you open the application. You know what I've done, Larry? I've uh, copied my home folder up into the cloud. Aha, uh -huh. yes, and then you just put it back on your new installation from yes. the cloud. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I've been using Google Drive, um, so I just copied that whole folder up up uh, to the uh, the cloud because it's not very big yeah and once I'm done I just drag it back down and ta-da everything works which is really great of course now that I've told you my pro tip I'm gonna have to kill you <laughs> or at least change your password um. <laughs> yeah. yeah quickly <laughs> there you go uh, yeah so either approach uh, separate hard drive if you're you know if if it's going to take you a while to back up to the cloud you might want to consider backing up to your hard drive uh, a separate external hard drive or uh, the cloud could be another alternative for you as long as you're not making a backup onto the disk you're about to wipe out you should be good yeah and that's one of the reasons why i always do a nuke and pave because it's <laughs> you know it's just as easy um and I can choose what cruft I want to leave behind. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to go hunt for it. I know it's all there sitting in my home directory. Yeah. And, so. and you know, although my instructions said copy the entire home folder over, uh, what I actually do is 
I just copy the configuration files for the applications that I know I'm going to use. So I have a Firefox configuration folder, a Chrome configuration folder, a uh, Audacity configuration folder for recording, you know, uh, audio and several others for all the programs that I regularly use. And then I just leave the backup alone. And if I in reinstall an application later that I've been using on the old machine. I copy over the configuration file and continue on from there. And of course, if it's a, an application that either I've never used before or I don't have the backup of the configuration file because it's, so, it's been so long since I used it that I haven't <laughs> got that backup, uh, then I start from scratch. But uh, that seems to work for me, and I'm sure it'll work for you as well. Sounds like a plan. So there's plenty of options. Yes, absolutely. So in the final analysis, I don't know whether my reading of apt-get remove and apt-get purge was wrong uh, or whether the point that the small box admin was trying to make that there's more to it than that um, and you need these other packages is the right way to go. I know that if you use them all in combination with one another, you're more likely to get rid of more cruft than if you don't. But I think... For me, anyway, Nuke and Pave is my way to go. May not be right for everybody, and we've given you some options, which is really the point of this whole episode. So, however you handle it, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but now you know you have some choices. And yes. you also know it's a lot better than those other operating systems out there. Not as much cruft to get rid of, but there are strategies to get rid of whatever minimal amount of cruft is left over. Yep, so anyway. There you go. Okay, I think this is the end of this episode, so we'll move on to our next episode next time. It'll be listener feedback, as always. Until then, you can go to our website at goinglinux.com if you want to take a look at the articles and the show notes that we have, as well as links to download and to subscribe. And, of course, we are the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done. And if you'd like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Linux Podcast Google Plus community. Until next time, thanks for listening. 73. Music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.